I, I, always, I always say, if I can do it, you can do it. If you hear my journey and if you hear where I come from and what I had to just work through in my life, you, you would honestly believe you can do it as well. So we, we're busy with a, seri- a series on healing, specifically physical healing. And I hope most of you have been here for a, for a while and heard Andre's messages and heard Stephen's message two weeks ago because it all lays a foundation of what, what I will share today. But, but this morning, I want to focus on a few different mountains. Remember, remember Andre said we're shifting mountains? Amen? Who of you feel that there's been a few mountains shifted in your heads? Okay? It, it happens when we actually sit under the Word and we receive from God. But this morning, I want to tackle a few different mountains. And I just want to share with you my story. Because I know Andre has laid quite a few theological foundations when it comes to healing. But I want to share with you this morning my practical story of healing and things I battled with and what God did for me. Okay, because I really feel God wants to release hope. So I wanna, I'm going to present to you three mountains. And then I want you to think if you relate to any one of them. Okay, mountain number one. I've, I've, I've spoken about this uh, in January. I touched on it in a different sermon I did, but mountain number one, the longer the problem existed, the smaller the chance of breakthrough or healing. Okay, this is what we, this is what we perceive, this is what we think, this is often what is going on in our heads. Okay, surely if you've battled for six months, your chances of healing or breakthrough, surely that must be better than somebody who's battled for 20 years. Okay, you relate to this mountain? All right, second mountain what I want to address this morning is you cannot pray for someone if you have the same condition or similar, similar condition and you are not yet healed. Okay, anybody relating to this one? Okay, you, you can't pray for somebody because you're battling with a similar thing. So surely you're not the best one for the job. All right, I'm going to address that mountain. And then something I want to touch on as well is the mountain that God has forgotten about me. And my condition. So even though you experience healing and you see something happening, maybe in your family or a friend or a colleague, or you know, something's happening in the church, you feel as if God has forgotten about your condition. All right? Anybody who relate to any of those three mountains? Can you just quickly raise your hands? Okay. I, I, I really trust God this morning for two things to take hands. The one is faith. The other one is compassion. For us as a church to say, okay, I'm not battling with that, but I'm going to stand in faith for you. Amen? Or I'm not, I'm, I, I feel my faith is small, but I have compassion on you because maybe I have the same condition that you have. Amen? So I want to tackle the first one by just sharing my own story. God did something really special for me in 2012. And I've shared bits and pieces of my story, but I've never had the opportunity to share detail, to share the whole thing. And I really felt this morning is going to be that day. So when, when I was 10 years old, so, so that is now grade 5. Okay, Today is grade 5. When I was 10, I was diagnosed with a skin condition called psoriasis. How many of you have any idea what I'm talking about, psoriasis? Okay. There's, there's different levels. There's different variations of psoriasis. But... I had, I had it quite bad when, when I was 10 years old. So just to give you a little bit of, of background, it's a long-lasting autoimmune disease which actually affects the, 
the, the li- this, a life cycle of your skin cells. And in a nutshell, the best I can explain it is your skin cells actually, uh, it, it multiplies six times faster than what it shoots. Which means that on the outer, on, on the surface of your skin, there's like, there's basically skin building up on the, on the surface of your skin. And it forms these dry red patches and silvery scales. So it, it, it sounds innocent, <laughs> sounds very innocent, you know, skin building up on the outer um, surface of your skin. But it is, it's actually very painful, it's very itchy, and it looks really bad, <laughs> depending on what you have. Some people have it in their nails, some people have it on their scalp, some people have it in their, um, you also get something like psoriasis arthritis, so it can even go into your, into your, um, your wrists and your, your bone structure. So it's a, it's a chronic disease, so it's a long-lasting chronic disease. There's, there's a lot of medical um, things that help certain people. S- certain people react better to certain things than others, but there's nothing that actually cures this, this thing. You know, when, when they diagnosed me back then, they said it runs in the family and it's caused by stress. <laughs> okay, so that was, okay, <laughs> I need to now uh, turn this thing around, but it's, it's, there's nothing, there's no specific medication that actually takes it away forever, even though there's some things that work for some people. So I want to I take you to a scripture in the Leviticus before I continue my story. You're not allowed to fall asleep, okay? Because I know this is what people do when they can't sleep. They read Leviticus. <laughs> so when, when, I was, when I battled with my, uh, you know, my stories about my insomnia, you know, I had people telling me, but Sonica, you can't fall asleep even when you read Leviticus at night. <laughs> I said, yes, even when I read Leviticus. Okay, you're not allowed to fall asleep, all right? I don't think I've ever read a Leviticus scripture in church. Today is the first day, okay? We're doing pioneering work this morning. Okay, Leviticus 13, it deals with, with uh, if, if, if they suspect that somebody had leprosy in the Old Testament, this is what God told Aaron and Moses how they need to deal with it. So I just want to give you a bit of background because the, the word leprosy in the Old Testament actually was a, um, they, they used it for a, as an inclusive term for 21 different skill, skin conditions. Okay, I didn't know that. I, I found that out. So when they, when they suspected somebody had leprosy, it could have been one of 21 things. And obviously they hoped it was not leprosy, but they still had to, had to investigate whatever was on the person's skin. All right, so you can read with me. It will be on the screen. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying... When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, so it, it seems, it, it, they think it might be leprosy, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons um, of his sons the priest. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. It is a leprous sore. Okay, stay with me. All right, you're all still awake. <laughs> then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall, is- priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. Again, they, they're uncertain. They don't think it's leprosy, but maybe it is. So 
seven days for you alone. Okay, they isolate the person. Okay, just imagine being isolated for seven days. <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to contact with any other human being. Okay, seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Okay, thank you very much. It's not worse, but <laughs> another seven days. Okay, then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and indeed, if the sore has faded, and the sore has not spread on the skin, the, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. All right? I'll, I'll, I'll continue with that now. But just imagine, you've been isolated for seven days. You've been isolated for another seven days. Now you are pronounced clean. But everybody knew that you were isolated for seven days. You know, just imagine what that person needs to actually maybe go through. You know, people might actually still avoid him. Because what if it was leprosy? What if he, this person is actually leprous? So let's, let's go to verse 7. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed, indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. Okay? I know it's, it's, Leviticus is full of these kind of things, but it, for, for me, this has become a very personal portion of Scripture because I've realized if there's any kind of skin condition that you have battled with, there's a shame attached to that. There's, um, there's isolation. There's, there's actually a feeling of, I want to isolate myself because you don't want people to observe and think something. You know, you don't know what they think, but they think something. And uh, I've just realized that since, since ever, you know, there was something about any kind of skin condition that causes shame. Apart from the fact that it's, it's not nice and it's itchy and it's burning and it's bleeding. And, you know, there's many things that could be attached to a skin problem. It, it causes a lot of shame. Now, one of those 21 afflictions of the skin, as I said, was psoriasis. You can go read it up for yourself. Even just in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, they, they, they write about this. So... In the Old Testament, Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus, they associated wholeness and uh, holiness with wholeness. All right? So holiness equals wholeness, which means if, if you had a skin problem, you were unclean and you were not pure and you were not whole. So there was a direct link between holiness and purity and having a skin problem because it kind of eliminates, you can't be whole, you can't be holy, you can't be pure because there's something wrong with your skin, all right? You get the picture? This is why Andre also last week, he said that the beautiful thing of how Jesus healed the lepers in the New Testament, if, if you know this history, you'll know that you can't touch them because then you will be unclean. So apart from the, the fact that it's contagious, you will be unclean so you won't be holy, so there was more to, more to leprosy than just the fact that it was contagious. Nobody wanted to be unclean. No, it, it, was, it was something everybody avoided. So you would de this is why there were so many laws 
in the Old Testament and why the Pharisees actually followed so many laws because they honestly believe it's making them pure and holy before God. And, and praise God for Jesus who came and he said, this is not what it's all about. But when Jesus would touch a leper and say, I'm willing, be clean, it, it was healing to the whole man. It wasn't just healing, healing a leper. It was healing his heart because nobody ever wanted to touch him. And it was not only to do with a, with a contagious fact. It was because nobody wanted to be unclean. So that person represented something that was unclean. Okay? That was why leprosy in the Bible times was, it, it was just really, really hard to deal with. So you isolated, you're unclean, and you have leprosy. Okay? So apart from the fact that my skin was sore and itchy and bleeding all the time, it was very shameful for me. You know, I, I tried my best to, to cover myself, but I mean, you know, the East London summers, eh? Well, where I grew up as well, it was so hot in summer. There was just no way in which you can cover yourself. And especially at school, I don't know, school clothes, you just, I mean, when, you, when you're grown up and you work, you can, you can wear something long, but school, you have to wear this dress. And it's, there's just no way in which you can cover yourself when you're playing a netball match or you know, it, it was just something that was constantly part of my life. I need to cover myself to an extent that I'm not going to die of heat. <laughs> so I would stand in front of my cupboard, you know, not because I <laughs> needed to find something pretty to wear. I needed to find something that's going to cover myself in such a way that I'm not going to die of heat. You know, <laughs> I had to like weigh up. What is the worst? Being shameful because of my skin or dying of heat? <laughs> <That was why. laughs> so... Uh, I've been to many, many uh, dermatologists. I've been in and out my whole life. I used a lot of uh, different products. I used a lot of cold tar products. For those of you familiar with psoriasis, it didn't work at all for me. But the smell of tar is something that's, that I don't really enjoy because I was, I was, I was smelling like tar. Like, well, like a lot of times I had to wash my hair with a cold tar shampoo. There's something like that, yes, on the market cold tar shampoo. So um, it's not the greatest perfume. <laughs> so, you know, it's not something that you really enjoy using, but I tried everything. And that was, that's something that, that, that works for, for some people. I mean, uh, there was a stage I, used, I had to use a mixture of a mixture of something. I don't know what it was. Uh, I had to put it in the fridge in a black bag because it wasn't supposed to get any light. So and then you must put it on before you shower for, you must put it on and then wait for at least like another 30 minutes. Then you take a shower. So <laughs> my biggest desire at a certain stage in my life is just to take a shower after sports. And not to take this whatever it was <laughs> out of the black bag and put it on my skin. You see, I had psori psoriasis that was, um, there's a specific medical term for it, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So it's, it's like, um, it's just spots all over your, your skin. So it's not like one thick single patch. It's like spots over your whole skin. So now just imagine, now I come from sport and I take this mixture and I need to put it on all these many spots. My brother always said I look like a, a tiger or something. <laughs> and um, I put it on and then I have to wait so, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's stupid, but my greatest desire was just to, God, I just want to take a shower. I'm sweaty. I'm really tired. Can I just take a shower? No, you can't. You must not put these things, these mixture on, your, on all your spots and then wait another 30 minutes. So it took me like an hour after sport to take a shower. So for those of you, just shower straight away. I know you never thought of it as a blessing. It, for me, it was just a great, great desire to do that. In grade five, I was hospitalized for two weeks. I cannot find the photos. My aunt came and took a lot of photos of me. It's not nice photos, but I can't find the photos. I don't know if I threw it away or something. I don't know what I did. Okay, so in grade five, I was hospitalized for um, two weeks. And I had to cut my hair, which was, at that stage, not so difficult for me. I don't know. I wasn't attached to my hair later in life. It was another big desire. God, can I just have long hair? Because I had to cut my hair the whole time. Because you need to put lotion on the spots on your head. So you can't. It's just difficult with long hair. It, it complicated everything. And because especially you, you're dependent on other people to help you if it's on your scalp. So... It was just a big mission with long hair. So I cut my hair short. Not like short, 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 but short enough. And um, I mean, in seasons, this is, this is very personal, but I, I felt I, I need to share this with you. In seasons, when it was really bad, I couldn't shave my legs because it would just start bleeding. So I was, I was as a teenager, this was hectic for me. And I'm so thankful that I knew God at that stage in my life because somehow... He protected my heart, even though it was shameful and even though I had to work through many questions, you know, that, you know, kids, kids are sometimes nasty. <laughs> you know, even primary school kids nowadays, I mean, things they say to each other is, I don't know, but it was something I had to deal with my, my whole life. And one of my biggest fears was that I would meet my husband and then, well, l let me say this first. Psoriasis, go, it goes through a natural cycle. So I had seasons in my life when it was better. I had seasons in my life when my skin was maybe 80% clean, even 90%. But then it will start again. Okay? And for that cycle to turn around, it could take years. It could take two, three years before a natural cycle actually turns around. So my greatest fear... You know, we all have, I don't know if you have fears when, you know, one day you're going to meet your husband or your wife and then you need to actually tell him this or that, okay? I don't know if you relate to me. My greatest fear was that my skin will be okay when I meet my husband. It's going to be, like, fairly decent. And then he won't know about it. Or, you know, even if I explain it to him, he wouldn't know what I'm talking about until it breaks out again. So... That was my great, one of my, if not my, it was my greatest fear in terms of a future relationship. And when, when Andre and I started dating at the age of 22, I was 22 years old, my skin was actually in one of its worst cycles ever. So I was, I was very nervous about this guy. You must hear a whole story to appreciate it. But I mean, Andre was proclaiming and naming and, you know, God has spoken, you're my wife. And, you know, um, he was just so very confident. And I thought, you know, wait until you really know who you, who you want to marry. You know, um, I have the skin condition and it's really not nice. And, you know, when, when I, was, I was loved and accepted by him and not rejected, it brought so much healing to my heart. 
Because he, we, didn't, we didn't start dating when my skin was fine. We started dating when my skin was definitely in one of its worst cycles since the age of 10. So 12 years later, that was one of its worst cycles. And God used it so powerfully just to heal my heart. I, I think he just worked through Andre. He just, I don't know, blinded him or something. But <laughs> he was just not phased. He was just not bothered at all. And for me, it was a big thing. Because I've been battling with this since the age of 10. And I promise you, it didn't look great. I mean, that's, a, that's saying it. Uh, it's a euphemism. Yeah, it's, it's an understatement, okay? Not looking nice is an understatement. It looked horrible. Sometimes I, I didn't even want to touch my own skin when it was bad. So I was constantly praying for my healing. I was constantly looking for something that maybe I did wrong, you know, that feeling. Maybe somewhere I've messed up. Or maybe I'm just stressed, you know, because this is, this is the... Obviously, we, we all know stress can cause a lot of things, but I thought, okay, how do I keep my life simple that I don't stress? And I was just forever in this mode of, okay, I need to manage it. I need to turn it around. I need to, maybe I bring it, I bring it upon myself. Maybe it's my own fault. So I was constantly trying to fix this, you know, in a spiritual way. I was constantly saying, okay, God, just show me what I need to do. And until God gave me the following scripture, and, uh, it, it actually it was quite a turning point in this, in this long journey. John 9, verse 2 to 3. It says, and his disciples asked him, it was the boy who was blind, and Jesus healed him. Jesus' disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We always want to know what, we always want to have a fix, eh? We want to know that is wrong. Let's fix it, and then everything's okay. <laughs> this is just who we are, and it's human. But they wanted to know, okay, why is he blind? Did he sin, or did his parents sin? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God, the, the works of God should be revealed in him. And God gave me the scripture, and I, it, it just settled in my heart. And I stopped looking for something that I did wrong. Because by that stage, I repented of everything I could find, okay, after how many years. I can't remember exactly when God gave this to me, but it was maybe after 20 years of battling with this. And I really felt that God said to me, this will be for the glory of God. And I had to make it my own. I had to believe it with all of my heart. So let's share with you the good part of my story. I, I just wanted to give you detail because it wasn't just a few spots on my skin that got healed. It was a major thing for me. In, in May 2012, we, it, we were in a season as a church where we decided, not we, Andre actually really, um, Andre was desperate for more of God because he could see I'm suffering of certain things and we, I couldn't snap out of it. He could see that many pe- people are actually suffering and we believe God is strong. Amen? And we believe God is able, but when we pray, we don't see, it, it, it doesn't equal that God is powerful. It's almost as if a prayer, it works, but it's not that effective, you know? We, we, and he, he, was, he was just saying there must be more. We serve a powerful God. 
So if God is powerful, then surely we need to, we need to seek him. We need to, we need to pursue him in his fullness. So it was in that season, May 2012, my skin was kind of manageable for a season. There were lots of spots, but I could hide it and I could live with it anyway. But now in this season, my skin decides, okay, it's time for a a nice breakout again. (laughs) But like really badly, within three weeks, my skin went from maybe, um, I don't know, 10% of my skin being, being covered it, it within three weeks, it spread it so quickly. It, it covered a big part, maybe 70% of my, my body, even more. And I was, I was panicking. It was winter, praise God, so I could hide it sufficiently. But I was like, oh, God, just protect my face. Because it was, it was like going up my neck. And it was, just, it was just crazy. And now it's in the time that my husband decides we're trusting God for healing. You know, and now I think, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, now I'm, I'm, embarrass- I'm embarrassing my husband because we're now pursuing healing and now his own wife is back to square one with this thing. Now it's, it's been 26 years, okay? I was 36 at that stage. And uh, at, at one of our very first meetings, and I know Andre says nothing happened that night, and it seemed as if nothing happened, but... I, I asked a, a group of ladies to pray for me. Who of you prayed for me that night? Okay, there's maybe a couple of you left. <laughs> but in any case, uh, I showed them my arm. I was very embarrassed because it was, it was really not looking great. I was bleeding constantly because it was so itchy. So I was scratching myself the whole time and then it starts bleeding. And when it starts bleeding, it doesn't really want to stop quickly. It <laughs> keeps on bleeding. And... I stood here. They prayed for me. I showed them my one arm. And instead of shame, I just felt loved. I felt, God, is this possible? You know, because I was forever trying to hide myself. And, um, you know, worried that people will think it's contagious. Praise God, it's not contagious. But it looked like something contagious. It looked like something you need to avoid if you see it on somebody. They prayed for me, and there was one girl, and it, it, it might, this might feel a little bit um, over the top for, for some of you, but I was desperate enough. You know, there was one girl, she said she feels she must pour water over my head. I was like, you can do anything. <laughs> I'm like, I'll stand on my head, which I can't do, but I'll do it if there's a word. I'll, I'm desperate. I'll do anything because I was, I was desperate. They prayed for me. Nothing happened to, uh, except that I was wet, okay? <laughs> Water all over me. And, but I felt loved. We went home. It, was, it seemed like a very insignificant evening. Okay, you, will, you might have heard Andre referring back to one evening when everybody got it wrong except Rosie. It was the one evening Rosie was spot on with a word. Somebody. But that was the night that God said, Today, tonight is your night. And after, after a week, I could felt an improvement on my skin because you'll, you'll, it becomes smooth. Okay, Then you know it's, it's turning around. I could feel the improvement, but I was too scared to tell Andre because he's going to like put it on Facebook. No, joking. But he's going to proclaim to the whole world that I am, 
I'm healed, and I was, I was very concerned that I'm making a mistake, okay? Because it sometimes looks better, and then the next day it looks worse again. But at that stage, I was doing water aerobics at the gym, and um, I was literally waiting until the, until the last moment to get into the pool because I thought the management of the gym is going to ask me, you know, very politely not to get into the pool because I'm going to uh, spread this disease. I, I'm dead serious. So I would wait until all the tunnies are in the gym, oh, tunnies are in the pool. Then I would quickly, like, take off my, um, you know, just jump into the pool. And then I would, while they're stretching, I would quickly get out while everybody's distracted. That was what I did. Because I was, I was worried. I was worried that if anybody see me, they're going to ask me rather not to use the swimming pool. Okay, this is how bad it looked. So after about... 10 days, two weeks, when I got into the pool, I knew something was different because the chlorine wasn't burning like fire anymore. Like for those two weeks, I would, I would, I don't know, maybe it was a bad idea to still do aquarobics, I don't know, but um, it was burning like fire. I was like, this can't be good for my skin, you know, and then after two weeks, it's, it's not burning anymore. Maybe I'm not... Maybe I'm not making a mistake. Maybe I'm actually getting better. So after three weeks, there's a beautiful part of the story. It, it, it spread it very quickly, rapidly over three weeks. And after three weeks that they prayed for me, I was, I want to say I was 98, 90, 99% healed. There were still a few spots, but it was getting smoother and smoother. And I could see that it's on its way out. It's never happened like that again. It takes years for a cycle to turn around. And what was really awesome, actually, is my mom saw me in those three weeks when it was bad. They visited. And when I told her that my skin's clean, she said, this is a miracle. Because she knows. She knows it has never, it has never disappeared like that. Now, what, what, you, what you need to know is, even though for me it was a big miracle, <laughs> I knew God did something. I was very nervous because I thought, what if this comes back? What, what if I tell people now God healed me and it comes back? And you know what God told me? He said, well, if, if I can take it away once, don't you think I can take it away twice? And it, it gave me so much peace because I was stressed. I was, I was concerned that what if it comes back and then people think I've actually fooled them, I've made it up. How many of you have ever battled with that? Okay, you actually, you know God did something, but what if this comes back? And sometimes it actually does. And then we need to deal with it in the right way. So it's now 2017, so it's almost five years that has passed. It has never come back in the same way it did, ever. Uh, I went to a dermatologist for something else two years ago, and I told him my whole story, and I could see that he's a bit skeptical, you know. He said, he said to me, the, the percentage of psoriasis on your skin is less than 1% of the surface of your body. So he said, it's not a big deal. So I was trying to tell him, but it wasn't always like this. But, you know, when, when, he, when he said to me, it's less than 1% of the surface on your body, I just knew. You know, the few spots that has returned has either disappeared um, or... Um, it's, it's not compared to what it was. I can't remember when last I put something on my scalp. I can't remember it. It's like 
faded. My memory's faded, you know, of sores that bleeds. I mean, have you ever had things on your head that bleeds all the time? It's like, and it, it, it's something that you want to hide, but you can't. And I just know that if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. After 26 years of battling with something, it didn't kill me. No, and I didn't have to take painkillers or anything. It, wasn't, it was painful in its own way, but it, it, it was something that affected a, such a big portion of my life. And I know some of you are battling with things. And I want to give you hope this morning because if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Amen? Amen. Just say that. God can do it for me. Amen. Amen. So God did a miracle for me. So I just want to quickly share with you a couple of scriptures in the Bible. I've, I've shared it in my previous sermon, but I just, want to, I just want to read it again. Okay, so let's shift this mountain. The mountain is the length of a problem. The length of time the problem has existed does not determine the likelihood of breakthrough. Okay, so our mind wants to say the longer the problem existed, the smaller my chance. But we need to know that when we serve God, this, that, that one is not applicable. Okay? That theory or mindset or worldview, it's not applicable because nothing is impossible with God. All right? So whether you battled for six months or six years or 16 years or 60 years, God is able. You know, John 5, is, verse, um, 5 and 9, it was the man who was lame for 38 years. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, and instantly the man was healed. 38 years. Luke 1, verse 7 and 24. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Okay, I'm very curious. I really want to know how old she was. You know, we all know Sarah was 90. I think it's a bit stretching it. For me, in any case. But, I mean, maybe Elizabeth was, I don't know. I don't know. But they were very old, okay? So, according to statistics or doctors, it's really not the time to have a baby anymore. And soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. Luke 13, verse 12 and 13. Um, she had been bent double for 18 years. It was the woman who was, she couldn't stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. He touched her and instantly she could stand straight. 18 years. Mark 5, verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. I know we often speak about this story. This is, this is the, actually the theme of, of our series. Because she touched Jesus. She, she touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed. And this is what we trust God for, that the moment we just come and we touch him, we will be healed. Whether it's 2 or 12 or 22 or 32 or 42, whatever years you're battling with, there's hope. Amen? Just say that. There's hope. Amen. And maybe you're not battling, but maybe some, somebody else is battling this morning, and then we need to stand together. Amen? Okay, let's just talk about mountain two. It's a bit difficult, but I'm also going to share my own story. Mountain 2 says, I can't pray for somebody if I have a similar condition and he's not yet healed. Okay, you feel a little bit, maybe there's somebody better who can pray for this person. Or maybe, um, maybe to pray for a skin condition, you must be healed yourself. Then you're in, a, in the best position to pray. So 
I think most of you know that I'm battling with back pain since Vian was born. I never had any problems with my back before that. I'm really sorry if you heard this like a million times, okay? Um, please, please forgive us if you've heard my stories for a million times. Uh, but I had to move this mountain of, can I pray for somebody if I still have pain? And you know my husband, he's a pit bull. <laughs> you don't want to know how many times he's prayed for me and asked me, okay, test. <laughs> I started to dread that, okay, test moment. Because Andre is not giving up. But um, I'm not good for his statistics. <laughs> I'm keeping him humble, I tell you. Okay, so I've done many things in the natural. Okay, just to... Um, just that you all know, I'm not only standing in faith. I've done physio many times. I've done, done stretches and core exercises. And, and um, you know, I changed many things. I, when, I, when I work at my computer, I have like a little foot rest. Um, I know my, my shoes are a little bit higher this morning, but I normally just wear flat shoes. I love my high heels. When, especially when I still worked at um, an auditing firm, it helped me a little bit to feel... Um, it gave me a bit of authority, you know, when it's like article clocks I need to look up to. In any case, I, I, I've changed many things in my life just to look after my back. Okay? I sleep with a pillow between my legs. I'm, there's many things I do and don't do. Um, but even with all of these things in the natural, I, I just got tired of um, doing all of this. But this is really not what I... <laughs> it's not really applicable to what I want to share. I, I had to move the mountain. That can I pray for somebody if I'm still battling? Especially because so many people prayed for me. Okay, because you feel a little bit like a bit of a failure. I okay? somewhere something isn't right. And you don't know what it is. You know, all those old thoughts of maybe you do something wrong. Um, in any case, so... I would have loved for Cheryl to share the story, but she can't be here this, um, today, that way for the weekend. So I'm just going to read you her testimony, okay? That proved me wrong and that, that moved this mountain in my head. Okay, I'm going to read it so it's going to be as true as possible to her word. She said, For many years I've lived with chronic back pain. I've had numerous x-rays, monthly visits to the doctor. I lived on strong painkillers with cortisone tablets every few months. My doctor said they can't find anything, and I just have to learn to live with it. It's part of aging. I'm 60 years old. I got to the point where I dreaded picking up my grandchildren. I would doze before and after seeing them. There were times when I would cry with pain at night because I just couldn't get comfortable. I prayed constantly for myself. In January 2016, so it's about a year ago, I went to Encounter 4 at Shofar. During a break, I chatted to Sonica, and she said she would pray for me. I must admit I was a bit skeptical as I prayed for so long. She prayed for me, and it felt like a hot iron was on my lower back, a testimony we, we often hear. There's maybe a tingling or a heat, or there's some, there's some sensation, not always, but it often happens when we pray for somebody, they, feel, they have some kind of physical um, sensation, which just encourages us because it shows that, and those of you know me, my hands are really cold, 
Okay? Okay, not many of you know that, but even now, my hands are really cold, like even in summer. So my hands can't be as hot as an iron. <laughs> I know that. You know, in, in winter, when I touch my son, he's like, no, mommy, your hands are cold. Don't touch me. <laughs> and like, even my husband's like, please don't touch me. Your hands are cold. <laughs> so my hands can't be as hot as an iron, okay? Okay, it felt as hot as an iron on my lower back. I was healed just like that. I couldn't believe it. It was very emotional for me. I could get up from sitting without grimacing. I tested it all the time, especially when picking up the grandchildren. No pain. She's 60 years old. All right? Where everything in us tells us, okay, just live with it. You're 60. Okay? Get, just get over it. You're 60. In heaven. In heaven, won't they? You won't have pain. One year later, I'm still without pain. It's too marvelous. I won't take it for granted. All my thanks and gratitude and praise go to my Jesus for healing me. I give him all the glory, praise, and honor. You are my healer. I mean, let's just give God a hand for this. Amen. <clears throat> Let me just give you my version of the story. This is Cheryl's version. She spoke to me at Encounter 4 during the break, and I was like, mm, yes, we can, we, I didn't say I. She said, no, Sonic, I said she'll pray with me. I didn't say that. I said, we <laughs> could pray for you. I thought I'm going to get, I still thought I'm going to get Claire and Rosie to pray with me because I don't feel confident, you know. And we just came back from Brazil, from Rio. I mean, we prayed for millions. This is my son's latest word, like millions, mommy. <laughs> there were millions. Anyway, there were millions of people. And we prayed for them, and, but I was not confident praying for somebody, somebody with a back problem, not in East London, in my own church. I was not confident. And I went to Andrea, I said to her, uh, Cheryl really wants us to pray for her, for her back. Could we perhaps have a, have a moment where we pray for people? Yes, 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 of course we can, okay? No, the moment doesn't come. Okay, I'm like, mm, I think I'm on my own here. <laughs> I need to pray for her. So there was one, one uh, situation where they prayed for other things, and I thought, I can't get out of it. I have to pray for her. And I, I mean, other people prayed for other things, but I prayed for Cheryl's back. I said, okay, God, I don't think any one of us have faith right now, but at least I have compassion. Okay? I know what it feels like. I think her situation was much worse than mine. But um, I, I, could, I, I could feel, you know. I could feel her heart and her pain. I prayed for her. She experienced this heat on her back, and it was gone. She, she tested it like 10, 12, 15 times. She was sitting down, and then she's on a chair, then she gets up. Then she's on the floor, then she gets up. <laughs> then she's like again on the chair. Um, sorry, Sonica, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Sorry, sorry. Okay, let me just do it again. <laughs> it was hilarious. But I was so encouraged that day. I was so encouraged. I was like, God, you did it just for me. Just for me to believe that it's not me. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. But God, the Holy Spirit... The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Therefore, you can. Okay? But ultimately, we are a vessel. God is just looking for somebody who's willing to take a risk, willing to look like a fool, and willing to try again. 
ultimately. So, if you have a condition, you might be the perfect person who can pray for somebody else with the same condition. You might just be the perfect person because you will have compassion. Amen? So let's move that mountain this morning. Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to him who believes. It's not about are you healed? Are you sinless? Are you perfect? Have you done encounter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 19? It's not about that. It's about do we believe? And are we willing to step out? Acts 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of, full of faith, and power did great wonders and signs among the people. Mark 10 verse 17. For with God all things are possible. Amen. All things are possible. So we're going to spend some time praying for people. But I just want to shift a last mountain. I, I think this sometimes is the biggest one. If we can shift this one. We're going to see change. We're going to see breakthrough. The mountain that says God has forgotten about me. Okay, how many of you relate to that? God has forgotten about me or my family or my mom or my sister or my brother or my child. Surely, yes, he's doing miracles, but he's forgotten about me. I'm just going to give you one scripture to hold on to. Psalm 27 verse 13, it says, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is your key. That is the key to hold on to the goodness of God. Even when there's a mystery. Even when things don't make sense. Even when you want to give up. Even when you want to get offended and disappointed and run away from God and from church and from everybody who's testifying. A testimony is an invitation for God to do more. Why? I've, I've so often listened to people who give testimonies and, it, and then it makes me despondent instead of it motivating me. How many of you ever felt like that? You actually feel despondent. Yes, but God did it for him or for her, but, you know, what's, what, what about me? A testimony is an invitation for God to do more. Why? Because God is bigger, God is greater, and there's always more. There's always more. It's a kingdom where there's, you know, even that scripture that says where there's sin, grace abounds much more. You know, even God is not intimidated by sin or sickness. There's always more. There's always another opportunity. There's always another situation or a morning or an evening or a gathering of people where God can do it again. Which means if it, if it demotivates you, if it depresses you, if it, if it intimidates you, somebody else's testimony, you need to immediately realize this is not God. Okay? This is the devil that wants to, wants to put this whole thing in a box. It's for some other people, but not for me. Okay? So let's just read the scripture together. Psalm 27 verse 13. I, read with me, I would have lost heart. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. I would have lost heart, yes. And it's easy to lose heart. Unless I would believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's all you need. It's all you need to shift that mountain. The goodness of God. And even if you don't feel like it. We're going to confess that God is good. Amen? 
That's our only hope. We can't give up hope. We can't reject the giver of hope. Then we won't have hope anymore. Amen. So I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And I'm I'm going to play you a song just now. Just about who God is and what he, wants, what he wants for us. But what I want right now for you, I want you to pray with me that faith and compassion will take hands this morning. Amen? Maybe you're not in desperate need for a miracle, but maybe somebody else is. Amen? Maybe there's somebody else who is in desperate need of a miracle. And we can stand together. We can say, God, we're a family. We're a family. Maybe there's somebody else that's so much on your heart. And you say, God, I'm crying out for that person this morning, even if it's not for myself. Amen.